0: Don't talk, just listen. Under the black sun there is no hope, only mystery, wonder, and danger. Black Sun Dispatches on the C-Pulse Podcast Network. Uh, they, they are not what they claim to be. Episode 5. Priya Patel Drives a Cab. Priya Patel's grandfather drove a taxi when he first arrived in the country. He didn't speak the language, but he came to know the streets as readily as he did the drumbeat of his heart in his chest. He drove every day, every day, until he was laid so low by illness he did not have the strength even to apply weight to the pedals. Priya Patel's father drove the cab then, only a boy of fifteen. He did not look much like the picture on the driver's license, but it was easy enough in those days for one brown face to pass itself off as another. Shortly thereafter, the drum beat stilled, and so Priya Patel's father kept driving. Growing up, Priya Patel refused to ever drive the cab, only one of countless ways she defied and confused her father but that was before. Before the black sun rose and the city was lost to the midnight desert. In this new world, many people did many things they never would have considered before. Priya Patel drives a cab. The yellow has faded with time to match the same dull tenor that's been cast over the rest of the city beneath the black sun. The gas She siphons from cars that have been abandoned throughout the city. She works her way through the parking garages, car by car. One day, she will have drained every drop possible and the taxi will have to be abandoned. But that, she thinks, is too far into the future to even conceive. Each day, Priya Patel lays down her prayer mat and bows in the direction of Mecca. She has no way of knowing if she is actually facing Mecca or even if Mecca still exists somewhere out there beyond the wall of night. But still, no matter. Each day she lays out the mat, and each day she bows. And in this way, the fire that is in her heart, the fire that is truly her, continues to burn. She supposes that's why she still drives the cab. More than once behind the wheel, she has felt herself begin to float dreams encircling her arms like angels ready to alight a pure soul to heaven above. And in this state, she imagined that she imagined her father and grandfather climbing to the back seat and flowing down the road with her. But then she blinks, and the world is the world. The living are the living, and the dead keep the dead. Her perspective on this changed after she gave a ride to the dead man. It was not uncommon for folks to climb into the back seat and direct Priya to some other location in the city. She would go, having no direction of her own and thus being open to any given to her. She gave many a ride to the big, red-bearded man and his smaller, silent associate. For a time, they were constantly heading out into the outskirts of the city to forge for parts that they might then bring to their community at the St. Peter's Hospital. It wasn't long before Priya Patel was an expert in every possible way to and from that hospital. The walled-off center of the city, fortified by the man McRae, turned the outer streets into a labyrinth impassable for most any driver. But Priya Patel was not any other driver. When Langston and Patty Flakes desperately needed to reach St. Peter's after her water broke a full four weeks before her due date, Priya Patel wove a course across town in a matter of minutes. When Cassandra, with her red hood and her sickle blade, fled from a wild pack of beasts with fur-like shadows and teeth-like jagged ends of glass, it was Priya Patel that she stumbled over, and it was Priya Patel who drove so fast that even these creatures could not keep up their pace. Cassandra said her thanks and slipped back into the gloom. The red-bearded man, who gave his name as Mr. Oaks, though he said it with such a wink as to lead her to believe that he was telling her an inside joke that she, as far as she knew, was outside of, told her that the hospital was looking for someone to help get the ambulance services restarted. Would she, he asked, be interested in being that someone? Mrs. Marigold, who ran the hospital, had already found a place for her to stay. Should she say yes? No, Priya Patel said. She didn't drive ambulances. She drove the cab. Would she, Mr. Oakes asked, then happen to know where they might be able to find gas for the ambulances. After five years in the city beneath the black sun, most everywhere they checked had been picked clean already. No. Prepatel said. The quiet one, whose name was given as Mr. Mayhew, remained quiet. Once, Prepatel gave the Misters Oakes and Mayhew a ride out to the very edge of the city so that they could transport a dead man and there commemorate him to the sky. Mr. Oakes explained that they didn't do this sort of last rites anymore, not very often, anyways. The hospital community had managed to get the mortuary flames ablaze once more, so any death could be quickly and humanely disposed of. But this, Mr. Oakes explained, was a special case. The dead man, whom they had left in the trunk, was discovered by the Seward tribe, who brought him to St. Peter's in case the hospital was interested in trading something for the juicy bits that might be gleaned from a fresh cadaver. Priya Patel hated the Sewer Tribe. Everybody who was not the Sewer Tribe hated the Sewer Tribe, put off by the green pallor of their skin, the yellow hue of their eyes, and their murmurings to their toothy god. But this, Mr. Mr. Oaks went on, had led to a strange discovery. The dead man had been someone that he and Mr. Mayhew had come across during the very last funeral run before the fires were relit. Mr. Oakes had asked this man to join them, but he had refused and hurried off. He never even had a name. And now, he never have a life. It shouldn't have mattered. What, in the grand scheme of things, was one more anonymous corpse? But this, Mr. Oakes went on, was a strange case. Four weeks after that random encounter, he, Mr. Oakes, had found his thoughts returning again and again back to that strange, scared man. And when he turned up dead, it had felt to Mr. Oaks as if something important he could never have named or understood had ended or had begun. The two feelings felt much the same. So Mr. Oakes felt he owed the nameless man a proper final ceremony. People enter your heart in strange ways, Mr. Oakes said. You don't choose who, you don't choose how, you don't choose when. All that falls to you is to decide how you live in the aftermath. If Mr. Mayhew had an opinion on the matter, he kept it to himself. next day it stormed, the worst rain and wind that the city had seen in months, worse even than the night the bird creatures had attacked. Priya Patel spent the storm in the back of her cab, listening. Rain like drum beats, wind like the long chorus of a song whose words have long since faded. It was the kind of storm, she thought, strong enough to shake the world loose from its fragile grip. They had fallen so far already. Where else could they tumble? Was it only void that remained to them? She thought of the funeral pyre, of the flecks of orange and gold that rose from the pale flesh only to be swallowed by the gray slate sky. Although she remained dry in the cab, Priya thought she felt the rain water seep through the roof and into her chest, where it sapped away the fire that was in her heart the fire that was really her. The wind would have little trouble carrying away the husk that remained. She supposed she had a good run five years before the black sun leached her empty. Plenty had survived past the first year. Priya Patel assumed that however much or however little time remained to her, she would spend it all in the taxi, driving until the engine sputtered and the gears screeched And by that point, there'd be nothing left of her to mourn. And maybe, perhaps, that is indeed what would have happened. But the next day, Priya Patel gave a ride to a dead man. The dead man was announced by a halo of flies. Priya Patel had parked her taxi on the east side of Hawksetter Park, where she and her mother had enjoyed many a picnic in the now-gone world. She closed her eyes so she might not see the small blade. It wouldn't be real to her until it bit through flesh and vein, and maybe not even then. Maybe she would just float from dream to dream. A fly landed on her cheek. She swatted at it with a hand, not holding the knife. The fly dodged, buzzing off into the back seat. Priya turned to watch where it went, and saw the halo of flies that filled her back seat, and saw the dead man that sat just behind the flies. The door had not been opened. The door had not been closed. Nevertheless, there was a man, and he was dead. Will you take me home? The dead man asked. Priya Patel could not yet form words, so she just nodded and put the taxi into drive. He gave her his address, an apartment building near the fringes of the north bank of the city. As she drove, Priya risked glances back into the rearview mirror. The dead man did not have any open wounds. He was not missing any limbs or bleeding ectoplasm, possessing none of the signifiers that signified a reanimated being. He seemed real, seemed solid, as possessed a physical presence as Priya herself. And yet, he was dead. He radiated his deadness like a light meant to attract moths or flies as the case may be. It was a sick feeling that radiated from the back seat, a feeling made to crawl beneath skin cells and nestle there, a disturbance that could not be shaken. Priya finally found her words. She used them to ask a dead man what his name was. I don't remember, he said. What a funny thing. I think dying takes it from you. He reached into his pocket and retrieved the wallet. He opened it, flipped through it. This says my name is Stan Barlow, the dead man said. Do I look a Stan to you? Not really, Pripyatel admitted. And I don't really feel like a Barlow, the dead man said. I can't help but feel that a mistake has been made. There was a question that Priya Patel desperately did not want to ask, while at the same time knowing that there was no way she could avoid asking it. How did you die, she asked the dead man. The dead man said, Stan Barlow found a box of rat poison and mixed it in with his stale cornflakes. He has screwed up marriages, fatherhood, his career, most everything in his life. So of course his death went wrong. He thought he'd gag and die like the animator Monty Python in the Holy Grail. Do you like Monty Python? Priya Patel admitted that she did not. Stan Barlow used to love Monty Python, the dead man said. He would go to school and say the jokes like they were his own. He made all the kids cut up. He did all the silly walks. Stan Barlow gagged and shit himself to death over the course of several hours. By the end, all he could think, over and over, was a desperate plea to at last end. What happened when it ended? Priya Patel asked. Stan Barlow supposes he's free now, the dead man said. Nothing changed. Nothing at all, but he's past caring, when he looks into the sky, he can now behold the dark god looking down upon us all. The black sun is his eye, but Barlow can't be bothered about it. The taxi arrived at the apartment complex, Priya Patel put the cab in park. A long silence passed between them, cab driver and corpse. When he spoke next, the dead man's mouth was an inch from her ear. Would you like to come up? Priya Patel looked straight forward. No, she said. I'm going to go up, the dead man said. I'm going to go through the door and sit at the table, and I'm going to wait. I will wait, and the food will rot, and the table will collapse, and all the city will crumble into dust upon the wind, and I will still be waiting. But it's the strangest thing. I begin to want once more, and I'm realizing that what I want is to not wait alone. Suddenly. He was in the front seat with her, the crown of flies, a cloud that clogged her mouth, her nose, her eyes. She could see him, see him truly now, saw the color leach from skin, the skin itself hanging loose off the bone, eyes red-rimmed, seeing nothing. He reached for her. Priya Patel threw herself out of the taxi, her back hitting hard against the blacktop. The dead man got out of the cab using the door this time. He approached her, but stopped when he got midway across the hood. The dead man seemed to be studying her, but what he might have thought was lost in the cloud of insects that swirled around his face. He turned on his heel and walked into the apartment building where Stan Barlow had lived and died. The bugs followed, and Priya Patel was left gasping for breath in the middle of the road. When she finally got up, she could not bring herself to get back into the taxi. It thrummed with the same dead light that the dead man had given off. So Priya Patel left. She started walking, and she walked until she lost all track of time and place, and she, she who knew the city streets better than she knew her own self, could no longer recall precisely where she had left the car. Then and only then did she allow herself to weep. Mr. Oakes had long ago learned not to let anything surprise him in the city beneath the black sun But he would admit to being somewhat taken aback when Priya Patel walked into the office he had staked out as his own at St. Peter's and asked him about the job of ambulance driver. When he asked after her motive, she responded only, I have to drive. And so, she drove. The white chassis of her ambulance raced through the streets like a brilliant comet. Two weeks into the job, she happened to glance out the window and stopped. She got out of her ambulance and stood before the taxi. Could it really be hers? The bird shit was new, but the rust and wear that crisscrossed its body like arthritic veins could not have been amassed in so short a period of time. Guided as if by a dream, Priya Patel went through the doors and into the apartment building. She wandered the halls until she came across a room with a paper sigil in front of the door. The knob turned easily. The door opened. The room was empty. Priya wasn't exactly sure what she'd been hoping for. Did she want the dead man to appear, to tell her that she made the right decision and now walk the righteous path? And she did she believe that she would take him for the final ride in her ambulance and he would smile and the music would swell, and he would fade out in a divine glow? Or was it damnation that she sought? Was she secretly longing for the dead man to appear so he might tear apart her newborn hopes, to rip off the band-aid in one clean and agonizing motion? Was it just that she was afraid to fall, and so she sought someone to push her? She supposed, when it came right down to it, what she wanted, wasn't ending, good or bad. She wanted a tidy bow to wrap around her experiences so she might move on. But the room was empty. And empty, it stayed. Priya Patel drives an ambulance. The gas is siphoned by a group of children, referred to as runners by the St. Peters community. One day, there will be no more gas, but already plans being drawn for how they will fuel the machines and light the lights once this resource is gone. And though she does not know in which direction Mecca lies, each day she sets out her prayer mat and bows, and she offers her thanks to Allah. The fire that burns within her, the fire that is truly her burns on for another day not everyone is so successful in some cases the worst cases you end up with a fate like tyson Braun and the black mold but that's another story hello and thank you for listening to this episode of black sun dispatches part of the cinepunks podcast network my name is Brandon Foley, and I write, produce, and perform the show. This is Episode 5, Priya Patel Drives a Cab. Black Sun Dispatches is only one of many great shows offered by the CinePunks Network. Uh, if you didn't like this one, please check out CinePunks, Loud Fast Philly, Horror Business. We uh, just actually debuted a bunch of new shows. Uh, so, hey, again, if you didn't like this one, there's probably something you're going to like. It's just, you know, rule of averages uh cinepunks is sponsored by lehigh valley apparel creations you can hit them up at xlvacx.com you can be a set sponsor yourself by supporting our Patreon, which you can find on our website if you like the show please rate your us on itunes uh spread the word on facebook and twitter uh, every little bit helps as we uh keep the show going uh you can find me on twitter at the true brendan f and you can find additional writing by me at synapse.co and my medium page uh, Black Sun Dispatches is also, the show page is on Twitter, it's at, at Black Sun Show. Uh, our logo was designed by Jennifer Rogers, uh, the show is produced using Reaper, and music for this week's show is Winter by E.L. Heath. Uh, so we'll be back uh, in two weeks from today with our sixth episode, Black Mold. And I'm just going to forewarn you that this one is going to be a little bit nastier and grosser uh, than maybe these first few. If you thought these first few were already your nasty and gross threshold, uh, I'm going to advise you to wait until July when we start uh, those episodes. Uh, Because black mold, as the name might tell you, uh, it's going to get a little bit weird. Uh, Well, anyway, I hope you enjoyed episode five. I'll see you again in two weeks for episode six. Uh, And like I said, if you enjoy the show, please help spread the word. Thanks and have a good one. Bye.